What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride. It's Friday, so we're going over your Raider news stories, injury report, and mailbag questions. This is your weekly reminder to submit your questions to me throughout the week, either on Twitter, at mholder95, or via email, sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. Again, that's at mholder95 on Twitter, and sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. Like always, let's start with the news. We'll start off with the tragic Henry Ruggs story, and I'll give people a few moments to fast forward and skip this part just in case there's anyone who doesn't want to or is tired of hearing about them. I completely understand that. Like I said, it's an extremely tragic and sad story, so fair warning as I'm about to dive into it. At about 3.39 a.m. on Tuesday morning, Henry Ruggs was driving his Corvette and hit a woman driving a Toyota RAV4 near an intersection in a residential area. Ruggs had been at Top Golf where he was seen drinking alcohol with his girlfriend, and while this has not been confirmed, it is believed that the two went to a friend's house after leaving Topgolf. From there, Ruggs got behind the wheel of his car and started to drive him and his girlfriend home, leading to the crash. Ruggs was reportedly driving over 150 miles per hour, and his BAC was over double the .08 legal threshold to drive. When he hit the RAV4, the car burst into flames, and the driver was trapped inside. By the time anyone could come help her, it was too late, and she was pronounced dead on the scene. The driver was later identified as 23-year-old Las Vegas resident, Tina O. Tintor. Ruggs and his girlfriend, Kiera Kilgo Washington, also suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries, and Ruggs has been charged with DUI resulting in substantial bodily harm and reckless driving resulting in death or substantial bodily harm. If convicted, the first charge carries a sentence ranging from 2 to 20 years, and the second one carries 1 to 6 years, and a loaded handgun was founded under Ruggs' driver's seat, so another charge could be coming, but... At the time, the DA has not specified if they will be pursuing the third charge as well. The judge said Ruggs' bail at $150,000, which he posted, but he also must wear a device to monitor drinking and other controlled substances, and he cannot drive and surrender his passport. The Raiders released Ruggs late Tuesday evening. On behalf of Silver and Black Pride, I would like to send our condolences to Tina Tintor and her family. Tina was described by her loved ones as a smart, charismatic, and loving young woman. May she rest in peace. If there is any good to come from this story, please let it be a lesson to the rest of us that if you're going to go out and drinking, please have a plan on how to get home that doesn't involve you getting behind the wheel. In other news, the Raiders promoted wide receiver Dylan Stoner from the practice squad to the active roster. Stoner is an undrafted free agent from Oklahoma State who showed some flashes in training camp and during the preseason, both as a receiver and as a kick and punt returner. He joins Hunter Renfro, Brian Edwards, and Zay Jones as the fourth receiver on the active roster. So, Stoner could be in for some playing time early on. Jones also got a promotion, though not one in title, as he's expected to get more playing time and serve as the team's deep threat moving forward. Las Vegas has also been tied to wide receivers Deshaun Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. Jackson and the Los Angeles Rams recently agreed to part ways, so he was released and cleared waivers this week. Beckham had a falling out with the Cleveland Browns that culminated this week, and the team announced that they'll be moving on from him, but he has not officially been released. The two sides are likely working on reworking Beckham's contract before officially parting ways. Another roster transaction that you need to know about is Javen White was activated from injured reserve, then released, and signed back to the Raiders practice squad. As you might remember, White was impressive during the preseason before suffering the knee injury that kept him out sideline for the first two months of the season, so there was some thought that he might take a spot on the 53-man roster once he returned. Obviously, That didn't happen as the team's linebacking corpse stays intact, but White will at least remain on the team as a backup option. 
then again, unless the Raiders include White as one of their four protected practice squad players, any team can pick him up and sign him to their active roster. Stoner was previously one of the team's protected practice squad players, so now they do have a vacancy if they want to protect White. Backup quarterback Nathan Peterman was subtracted from the active roster and placed on the practice squad this week. Per NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, Peterman has a $1 million fully guaranteed contract, so the only real difference is this opens up a roster spot for the Raiders and any other team can poach him. As much as I love my guy Nate Pete, this is really what the Raiders should have been doing with him from the get-go. To wrap up the roster transactions in the week, linebacker Markel Lee was signed from the Raiders practice squad to the Raiders active roster for the second time this season. Lee was active for Week 2 in Pittsburgh and is in his fourth season with the Silver and Black after being a fifth-round pick in 2017 and missing all of 2020 with an injury. Las Vegas brought back another familiar face as wide receiver Marcel Aitman was signed to the practice squad. Aitman was waived during the team's second round of cuts this preseason and hadn't signed anywhere else until the Raiders gave him a call. In a corresponding move, offensive tackle Dan Skipper was released from the practice squad after joining the team less than a month ago. All right. Moving on to the Raiders injury report, and for once, I'm actually excited to talk about it because for once, there's not much to report. The bye week clearly did Las Vegas some good as they were able to heal up and only had two players listening on the injury report all week. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins was a full participant with a neck injury, and guard John Simpson was also a full participant with a knee injury. And that's it, guys. Everyone else seems to be fully healthy, or as healthy as they can be, and ready to go for Sunday. The Giants, however, haven't been so lucky when it comes to injuries this week. Linebacker Lorenzo Carter and defensive back Nate Ebner haven't practiced all week with ankle injuries, while wide receivers Dante Pettis and Sterling Shepard have both been out, and Shepard is expected to miss an extended period of time, which, obviously, includes this Sunday against the Raiders. New York did get its top wideout back this week, though, as Kenny Galladay returned in a limited role after missing about three weeks or so. The Giants have had to deal with some COVID-19 issues as well, though. They had an outbreak, and then there were some issues with false positives, but defensive back Xavier McKinney is still in COVID protocol and will likely miss the game, as is backup running back Gary Brightwell, but the most notable absence for the G-men will be star running back Saquon Barkley. The Giants had hoped to have Barkley back last week against the Chiefs, but his ankle hadn't recovered in time, so they changed his timeline for his return to this week's game against the Raiders. However, Barkley tested positive for COVID-19, and his return is now expected to be delayed yet another week. All right, time to wrap up with your questions. Reminder, submit your questions to me on Twitter, at mholder95, or email them to sbppquestions1 at gmail.com. First question, should I pick up Brian Edwards in fantasy football because he fiend a blow? Well, I think this is my first fantasy football question, and I have to say your question is a little ambiguous because blow could be considered in uh, two different ways, but uh, I get what you're coming from. I would definitely add him if he's available on your roster as a stash player, but I wouldn't necessarily play him this week. I'd see how it unfolds. Obviously, he's going to be getting more touches and getting more targets. So I think his stats should go up, and he could be a good guy that maybe you use in the future, maybe for a playoff run or something like that. But I wouldn't start him this week. I'd see how things go uh, and wait at least a week, probably two, before you actually start playing him unless you're in a real pinch. But I definitely think he's worth the add and has some value now or more value now. But I would not be uh, playing him if you can avoid it this week. What would you like to see done with the wide receiver position moving forward this season? Well, I am interested to see what Zay Jones can do in a bigger role. He's come up with some big clutch plays this year, and he's been winning down the field, which is obviously the Raiders' uh, biggest weakness right now in the receiving core without Henry Ruggs, and definitely something that I'm worried about without without him on the field because 
none of the other Raiders receivers and even Darren Waller isn't a guy that you're really going to stretch the field with very often. So teams can obviously bring their coverage down and don't have to worry about getting beat deep, which will make things harder for everybody else. So I would like to see what Zay Jones can do, but I would also like to see them bring in a veteran that isn't maybe not as quite of a well-rounded receiver as Henry Ruggs was, but someone who at least has a speed threat so that they have that option for them. Not to say that Zay Jones can't be that guy, but I don't know, or I'm not feeling comfortable relying on Zay Jones moving forward just because he doesn't have a long track record of being able to get it done as a starter. And I would like to see another insurance policy in the form of a, a veteran with some speed, like a Deshaun Jackson or an Odell Beckham, that the two guys that have been kind of linked to the Raiders recently. But I'd like to see them bring in a guy that has that speed. We talked about Marcel Aitman coming on the roster. I always liked Marcel. And I mean, obviously at this point, they uh, need receivers, and I think Javon Wims can run a little bit, but I really would like to see them bring in that guy that can really take the top off, um, whoever that might be, whether that be a veteran or maybe somebody that we don't know about, and who knows, maybe Wims or maybe even uh, P.J. Turner or D.J. Turner, I believe it is, uh, can be that guy. But I think that's definitely the, the route they're going to go. I'd like to see them bring in some competition, and again, just someone that can run a little bit and uh, force defenses to play back a little bit. In a related question, would you rather have OBJ or Deshaun Jackson? Well, obviously I put these questions back to back for a reason, but for me, I would rather have Deshaun Jackson just because the way I kind of look at the way the Raiders need to approach the uh, their wide receiver hole right now is just find someone that can hold them over for the year and then move on and figure it out in the Aussies and figure out what they're going to do, whether that is extending that player that they just brought in or just turning to the draft or signing somebody else in free agency. And I think with Deshaun Jackson, he's obviously in the latter half of his career, kind of just ring chasing at this point and wanting to chase a bigger opportunity. So I think the Raiders have a pretty good opportunity for him to come in and be one of the guys, one of the guys right away. And like I said, be that guy that can take the top off a defense and he'll get the targets that he wasn't getting in Los Angeles while still being on a team that has a good chance to make a Super Bowl run. But with OBJ, I think with OBJ there's probably going to be a little bit more expectations as far as signing him long-term. He's obviously younger, and I would imagine that's what he's looking for at this point. And I would just be more comfortable with the Raiders making a move for someone that I didn't think there was as, or I don't think there's much pressure to have a long-term plan for. Again, where they can kind of just address that in the offseason and evaluate and just use the kind of the band-aid or the temporary solution um, for this year especially since OBJ, I mean, let's be honest, is a diva. I mean, he's now forced his way out of his last two stops. So the last thing that I'd want to see the Raiders uh, get themselves into is a situation that they they can't um, end up working their way out of, or it's going to be extremely difficult for them to work their way out of with the big contract. All right, our final question here, and it's also related, kind of working, building off one another. Is Odell Beckham worth the risk? Do the Raiders need another distraction to this crazy year? Well, it's definitely been a crazy year, especially in the last few weeks. But I think OBJ, he is worth the risk on the condition of what I was just talking about, where if it's something where they can just agree to a one-year deal or just have him for one season, I mean, I think the Raiders at this point, like I was talking about before, they have a chance at making a Super Bowl run. They're obviously strapped at wide receiver right now, and they really need somebody that can threaten people deep, which OBJ can. So I think he is worth the risk. I think the Raiders right now, you kind of don't really have many options. It's the old beggars can't be choosers argument. So I do think he's worth it on the condition that it would only be for one year. 
because then if he is the risk, if he is, you know, everything we were just talking about where he is the prima donna and another distraction to this team, then at least you can get away, get a rave with from him after a year and walk away. But if it, if it does involve a multi-year contract or a multi-year deal, then I would say absolutely not. It's not worth the risk. And, um, again, the Raiders would uh, be better to stay put and maybe look at another option. And the other part of this is Deshaun Jackson is available right now, whereas OBJ technically isn't because the Browns haven't released him. So if I'm the Raiders and I want to move quickly, I'm doing whatever I can to get Deshaun Jackson in right now because, again, he's the guy that's available. That does it for this week. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download. And as always, follow me on Twitter, at mholder95, and follow Silver and Black Pride. Until next time, guys.